everybody. Welcome to the SAP Learning Insights Podcast. Today, we're going to the starting line of SAP Learning, a course designed for you to start learning SAP. The focus is going to be the SAP Technology Consulting course, recently published on Coursera, an online platform that offers courses on many different topics spanning career skills, life skills, and hobbies. To guide us through today's topic is Martin Golligly, the lead course author. Hello, Martin. With the start of every podcast, we always want to get our hero's origin story. Tell us a bit about who you are, where you're from, and how you became the expert you are today. Sure. Uh, well, thank you, David, for having me on the, the podcast. Um, my my background is very much one of having an interest in in the disruptive uh, sort of trends of technology and the the role of education. Uh, it was a combination of, of two sort of family factors. Uh, my parents were both teachers mm. and uh, I have a nine-year-old mm. boy who has a very deep interest in, in all things technology. Uh, so uh, I have that, uh, that interest in basically building a sort of a better world through education. But my own interest in technology largely came about as a result of what I studied at, at university and uh, several different positions that I held over the years. Uh, the very first uh, degree that I did was a general business degree uh, at a place called Aston University in the UK. And uh, as part of that degree, I spent a year working for a big electricity company called Powergen. And as part of that role, I was looking at their investments into IT. And one of the things that was a, a major takeaway from that role was that they found it very difficult to evaluate the benefits of, of IT. Uh, so right from the word go, I sort of realized the, the impact that IT could have, but the difficulties that you can have sometimes in evaluating how you can invest in IT and how you can make the most of it. So that sort of piqued my interest. And I went on to do a master's degree at uh, Manchester University, where I focused almost exclusively on disruptive innovation. Uh, so there was a lot of studies about things like uh, a guy called Schumpeter, who was an economist, uh, who talked about the the impact of technology on on industry. Uh, and as part of that degree, I spent some time in Canada, uh, basically working for a big company that uh, no longer exists. It was merged into a number of other companies called Abitibi Price in Toronto. And they effectively paid me to do a thesis looking at uh, the impact of, of technology on their industry which was the paper and pulp industry. And as part of that uh, project, I got to work uh, as part of a McKinsey project team for about three months uh, and looked at the impact of lots of different technologies that were being invented at places like MIT Media Lab. Uh, I got to, to get a tour around the Xerox Park facility in Palo Alto uh, and was lucky enough that the, the guy who took me around was a guy called Bob Bauer, who was... Uh, one of the originals, I guess, at Xerox Park. Uh, he uh, reminisced about the time that Steve Jobs went and uh, had his little famous tour around the Xerox Park facility and and saw all of the uh, the gadgets that they'd been working on that would go on to change the world. You know, things like Ethernet and, and the Xerox uh, Star and, and this kind of thing. Uh, I went on after that uh, to basically do a PhD at a place called Warwick Business School, and that was a PhD looking exclusively at strategic alliances in the tech sector. And one of the companies that I was looking at was SAP. Uh, so that is sort of the long and the short of it. 
my current role is kind of dual. Um, the one is that I actually manage a, a series of relationships with universities across Northern Europe. And in the past, I've, I've also managed relationships that SAP has with universities in Latin America. And that's part of our University Alliances program, which is, in effect, a, an outreach program to universities that enables students to use various aspects of SAP as part of their education whilst they're still at university. And my second role is actually managing the, the building of the, the Coursera courses uh, that we've, we've recently started establishing. And the very first one, SAP Technology Consultant, which launched back in uh, November of last year, uh, which has already enjoyed quite a bit of success. Uh, we've got uh, well over uh, 30,000 uh, students that have actually uh, looked at our landing pages in the course. And we have in the region of 10,000 students now that have actually enrolled, which is quite outstanding for, for only about eight weeks or so. Very cool. So it's interesting to hear the uh, the chain and connection, starting from childhood being raised by teachers. You could sort of draw a, a pretty direct and clear connection to every step of your career development. That's a neat image. <laughs> that I think that has the the has the appearance of plan. I think <laughs> it was a pretty random walk at the time. Um, yeah, I I think the when I was working at PowerGen, it, 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 I wouldn't have anticipated that I would go into the tech sector. I mean, at the time, I was very much interested in energy mm -hmm. and still am. I, I still have an interest in renewable energy in particular. Uh, and in fact, even within the Coursera course that we've just built, uh, one of the case studies is actually looking at renewable energy. Uh, so I had that as a, as a guide. Uh, however, when I, I went and did my, my master's course, and it was really clear as, as a result of working on that project team that all of the biggest challenges that were going to sort of sweep across the world. Remember, this is in 1996, so this is just at the beginning of the dot-com boom. Uh, so it was really clear that it was going to be a very, very exciting industry to work in and a very exciting role to have. And even from the word go, I could see that one of the issues that the, the tech sector was going to face was the fact that technologies were basically arriving on the scene, developing, evolving, and then disappearing so quickly that uh, you needed to also have a fairly robust uh, strategy for skills development. So that also sort of piqued my interest in education. You know, it's all very well having lots of brand new technologies uh, if you've got nobody to to install them you know you've got to make sure that there's there's also a very sophisticated and very rapidly evolving uh, delivery mechanism so that people can learn the skills that they need to have you know and speaking of delivery mechanisms coursera what is it for those out there who may have not heard of it before <laughs> Uh, well, Coursera is it's one of a, a number of what we, we call massively open online courses. Uh, this is a phenomenon which kind of took off maybe about sort of 10, 12 years ago, uh, where uh, originally a number of different universities, uh, Stanford and, and Harvard and MIT most notably, started dipping their toe into uh, the idea of delivering some of their courses online so that they could reach much, much, much larger numbers of students. And the sorts of numbers that they were looking at were huge. Uh, so a course which, you know, typically you might study at Stanford or, or Harvard and you'd end up with, you know, two, three, four hundred students max 
uh, sort of fit in, into an auditorium. Uh, the same course, if you put it online, could have you know a couple of hundred thousand uh, students looking at it. Um, and also, just as importantly, uh, you could actually have a course created which would then be studied by students as and when they wish to, rather than when the person who was delivering the course, the teacher or professor, was available. Uh, so, you know, you, you raise the, the possibility of having truly on-demand, as-required learning. So that was pretty awesome. Um, and I think the, uh, the industry has shown that there's a huge demand for that kind of delivery because, uh, I mean, Coursera is the best example. When Coursera launched, of course, it, you know, had a couple of hundred thousand students that, that did these initial courses. And now it has in the region of 120 million students. And if I remember rightly, somewhere in the region of about 30 million that are active. And if you, you put that in context, that's the equivalent of the entire adult population of the UK. You know, actively studying on a regular basis, almost a daily basis. So the, the numbers are gigantic. Um, so it, it basically provides an access route to people who wanted to study lots of different topics. Uh, admittedly, in, in Coursera's case, they're primarily business and, and computing, but not all of them. Uh, there's quite a few courses on things like psychology and that kind of thing. Um, and the, the students are able to, to study in their own time. Uh, they're able to study the topics that interest them. In, in effect, they're able to basically build their own series of courses and a series of, I guess, study routes that lead to a, a particular portfolio that the student wants rather mm -hmm. than one which is actually dictated by the institution, you know? Uh, so instead of, you know, you do a degree or whatever and, and you basically have, let's say, you know, 10 modules or eight modules or whatever uh, per year, um, looking at specific topics, and they've been uh, devised by the the lead academics at the university. In the case of of online learning, what you can do as a student is you can pick, you know, your own ten topics, and you can effectively create your own uh, portfolio, your own identity, in effect, from an educational perspective. You know, it, it provides a huge amount of freedom. Indeed, uh, myself being a, a student on Coursera, uh, it helps to. Uh, maybe fill in the gaps of uh, maybe some things that were missed during uh, childhood education. I'm uh, willing to recommend the learning how to learn course on Coursera because um, as I am a product of a, of a certain public school system education uh, from the 90s where memorization was actually sort of the only way that was reinforced in how to learn. Uh, so it was really cool to be able to go back to Coursera and maybe learn some of those fundamentals that uh, one might need before going further into more technical topics. So to maybe strengthen your foundation before going to more career-oriented topics. For example, the SAP Technology Consultant course, which you are one of the authors of, co-authors of, owner of, uh, mm -hmm. the person listed as uh, sort of the, the main contact on Coursera about this course. What's it all about and who is it for and how long will it take to do it? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's very much a, a team effort. I mean, something that has this much content in it and it can't be built by by one individual so we, we've had as myself uh there's a, a colleague of mine uh miguel who has put in a great deal of effort into uh one element of the the course which is basically how do you explore and design and implement an sap system mm -hmm. but it's a it's effectively it's a portfolio of, of 
different scales, as I say. So it's, I guess it's, it's kind of a mini reflection of the whole Coursera concept uh, that you go in. There are it's a certification which you would ordinarily take maybe 60 to 70 hours to complete. How long it would take in terms of days and weeks, it really depends on the time allocation. So if you set aside a week, we'll call it 10 days, uh, you could pretty much complete uh, all of the, the video elements of the course in, in that sort of time scale. So actually, it, it's not something which takes literally months and months and months to complete. If you only had, say, you know, an hour uh, on an evening uh, to actually spend studying the course, then yes, then you'd spend uh, a few months actually uh, studying. So it, it, again, it depends on the individual student. It depends partly on motivation. It depends partly on the amount of time that you've got, because obviously if you're, if you're working, if you've got a, a family that you're, you're looking after, um, then you're not necessarily going to have, you know, four, five, six, seven hours in the day to, to study. But the, the course itself, uh, it was created in collaboration with uh, a number of colleagues within, within SAP. So we have colleagues within SAP Learning, which is part of SAP, which actually effectively builds courses um, and has been responsible always for the, the skills development of, of individuals uh, within customers and, and the partners that implement SAP solutions. Uh, but we've also had input from our consulting teams, from our early talent teams that are responsible for actually identifying people we would want to recruit. Uh, we've had input from uh, SAP Labs that is responsible for future product development and exploration. You know, so we've had a lot of input from different parts of the company. Uh, but the, the key one for me was that uh, it was very clear in the early days of when we were looking at, at what the content of the course should be, that uh, the partners themselves that are responsible for the vast majority of SAP systems implementations, so companies like Accenture, uh, IBM, Capgemini, Deloitte, uh, you know, many, many of the, the really significant players uh, in, in the world of, of SAP, uh, they felt that there were some skills that were lacking in some of the people that were actually making applications to those companies and specifically to SAP roles. And it was a surprise to me that many of the skills that they thought were lacking were not product specific. Mm -hmm. They were more to do with how you actually tie products together, how you understand the ecosystem and how you understand SAP as a company uh, and its, you know, its product suite and its product strategy but also soft skills. Uh, so some of the skills that uh, the, the partners were particularly keen on were things like, how do you actually talk to a client? Uh, how do you empathize with somebody? How do you understand truly what somebody is saying to you so that uh, you can accurately reflect their requirements and that you don't make mistakes later? Uh, there were aspects of things like systems thinking how do you view not just systems in an IT sense, but how do you look at all the processes that a modern, sophisticated company has? Uh, how do you ensure that you don't have, you know, um, sort of blinkers on? You basically just see one particular process and you don't see it in context. So you see it as a wider system. Uh, there are things like uh, design thinking, which is a, a problem solving. Um, an exploratory technique, which is incredibly powerful, 
which enables you to basically always keep in mind a, a sort of final person who would be the end user for whatever solution to a problem that you're actually trying to devise. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's lots and lots of soft skills. Other things included things like business process modeling, uh, project management and that kind of thing, which were all part of a, I guess, a sort of a rounded consulting skill set that would enable you to go into a, a sort of client, talk to them effectively, build a proper empathetic rapport with them, understand what they really need. And then when you come to the actual uh, solution development, that you understand the, the full process, the exploration, the design, the implementation, the, the auditing, the, the ability to uh, ensure that at every step along the way that you've got the proper uh, sort of quality management and that you've always got the customer's uh, requirements in mind. Right at the end of the, the, the certification, though, we actually have um, one interesting aspect, which is that we, we have career guidance so that you as a student uh, would be able to do the final course, which is going to be coming out uh, in you know, sort of six to eight weeks, I think. And that would provide some guidance on things like, you know, um, which products you might want to have an interest in, in getting a certification in, which roles uh, might be advertised both by SAP and by, by other partners, uh, things like how would you do better in, in interviews, uh, that kind of thing. So it's it's a, a good certification for uh, those students who either have an understanding of SAP but want to deepen that, that knowledge of consulting specifically, or it can be for people who actually don't know a huge amount about who or what SAP are and want to have a good helicopter perspective as part of their initial introduction. All right. So that sounds like an awesome foundation for anybody initially approaching SAP. Uh, and I think it's something that's been sorely needed. So if, for folks who have gone on to uh, SAP Learning Hub or to learning.sap.com, we are quite focused on the particular product um, that we're trying to train people on, but not necessarily worrying that much about the, the prerequisite knowledge and soft skills that need to be had before that. And so this sounds like it, it fills exactly that gap that you that you need to fill before moving on to becoming a a product expert, for example, is this is this course free or what does it cost? Well, it it really depends on the I guess the speed with which you would do the course, uh, and there are other things which are available because Coursera is very good at providing access routes for people that uh, might not necessarily have all of the financial resources they would need to spend lots and lots of time. On these courses, so there's multiple different routes. If I if I go through them briefly, give you give the students a, a good idea. I think number one in the route, which is the I guess the most easy, is that you simply pay a, a subscription per uh, course, and you pay on a monthly basis for access to it. Uh, so most students might start off with this particular course, paying a certain amount of money per month. And they would pay that subscription until they completed the course. I'm sort of wary of saying specific numbers because uh, one of the things which uh, Coursera also does very well is that the prices reflect the economies of where the students are based. So you'll pay more if you're based in the States or Germany or the UK. You would pay less if you were in uh, different you know, parts of the developed world or parts of the developing world and so on. 
so you would not necessarily pay uh, the same. However, I would say that uh, one of the, the ways, obviously, that you can reduce the amount of money that you would actually spend, even as a subscription, is, as I say, if you actually spend time, you set a time aside so that you can actually do a big chunk of work in, in one go or over a period of, you know, say 10 days, just as I alluded to earlier. So if you've got, you know, if you've got a limited amount of time per evening, then yes, you'd probably spend more time and you would pay more as a subscription uh, than if you were able to do it all in, you know, one month. But it is possible to do it in one month if you can set the time aside. Alternatives would be that you can, you can pay for something called Coursera Plus, which is in effect uh, a subscription, which is only slightly higher than paying for a subscription uh, for an individual course. So you actually pay on a monthly basis and you have access to everything. So you'd have access to this course, to any future courses that we develop and to courses from everybody else. Uh, so that actually works out uh, quite effectively. I would also say that you can apply for financial aid and quite a few students that we've already got on the uh, on the certificate at the moment have applied for financial aid. I forget what the exact numbers are, but they're they're in the region of sort of fifteen to twenty percent perhaps of students have successfully applied for financial aid from Coursera. How that works is you you literally just say to Coursera, look, I'm I'm in sort of you know financial difficulties or we haven't got the the funds, but I still would like to do the course, and here's the reason why I think it would be valuable for me personally. Um, and so that, that's one way of being able to reduce uh, the total cost. Another method is you can undertake a, a seven-day free trial. Uh, so we have, you know, maybe about sort of 5% or so of students at the moment are on a free trial. Uh, so, you know, if you want to sort of dip your toe in the water and, and find out what the course actually looks like without actually uh, paying for anything up front, then that's a very good way of doing that. In fact, I've, I've actually recommended a, a free trial to a number of students who have come to me through our university alliances program and i've said to them look the only drawback of a free trial is that you you wouldn't uh, do the assessments mm -hmm. and you wouldn't get a certificate at the end if you actually completed the entire professional certificate uh, but uh, if all you want to do is say look at the first two courses to get a feel for if it's you know what you'd be interested in and you'd like to study it properly and try to get the certificate at the end Free trial is a, is a perfect way of doing that. Um, so yeah, so there, there's, there's multiple options depending on what it is that you want to do, depending on your financial circumstances. Okay. So plenty of options out there on how to get started for, I guess, people across the whole spectrum of the socioeconomic ladder. So what can one be expecting to be capable of after this course? Is this something you can get hired straight out of doing, or are there next steps after that that you would recommend? Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the things I always have a little bit of a, of a caveat for is to suggest that you can do this course and immediately start work as an SAP consultant. It, it doesn't work like that. And in fact, it, it never has worked like that. I think sometimes if we will have some uh, courses that will be advertised as if you can immediately go into a super sophisticated role, uh, having spent sort of 60 hours on one course, and I don't want to sort of go out to, to students and say that that is actually the case. The reason that it's, it's so valuable is because it, it actually uh, achieves several different things. Number one is it actually provides, I guess, kind of a glue between different courses that you would do on SAP. Uh, so it provides that overall 
blend of, well, how do you actually implement an SAP system? How do you evaluate what our customer requirements are? How would you project manage uh, a specific SAP system? Uh, and all the sort of soft skills around how you would communicate with people and how you integrate with team members and, and that kind of thing, which aren't usually part of not only an SAP product course, but they're often not part of a university courses. Right. You know, a lot of business and computing students, I, I did three different business degrees. And I can tell you that even though I looked at technology and looked at uh, IT specifically uh, for probably five or six years, none of these soft skills were ever taught in any of the courses. It was always a focus on things like programming, um, you know, constructing hardware. If it was strategic, it would be a very, very high level. So it would be at the industry level or it would be uh, looking at a particular company at a case study, you know. Uh, so you wouldn't be talking about specifics like, well, how do you design a system? How do you, how do you product manage it? The, the implementation of it? How do you evaluate it? How do you talk to customers? So in that case, it, it's basically a glue that holds all of these different courses together. I think if you are a student who, who undertakes this course, what you'll show to you know, potential employers is a number of different things. Number one is that you'll show that you had a maturity of approach. You know, you recognize that it was a valuable course. You recognize this skill level uh, was something which the industry required um, that, that a lot of partners really, really, really need. Uh, so what you did is you went out, you did your research, and you said, ah, this is the thing which is lacking. And then you did the course and that demonstrated that maturity. A second thing I would say is that it shows that you're capable of doing your own research. Um, you know, that you're actually, uh, you, you're, you're basically going out into industry. You're finding out what the, the, the Accentures and IBMs and Capgeminis and so on of the world have actually said is, is necessary. Um, and so what you've demonstrated again is there's this independent, uh, thought, uh, that you're capable of guiding your own career. Um, I think another thing which is really valuable, which sometimes isn't really easy to come across as well, is because, you know, course two is very much, for example, looking at the enterprise systems environment, enterprise systems concepts, is looking at the, the SAP strategy and, and product set. Um, it's a very good way for you to identify where it is you want your career to go. So it effectively provides a learning, mm -hmm. you know, so you, you basically, you do the course and what you would find is at the end, you think, well, you know what? I actually really like analytics or I really like business technology platform or I really like, you know, a specific uh, other product set, you know, something supply chain management or something, something which would be very difficult to come by if you were studying at a university or if you just went through lots and lots and lots of brochures and so on and marketing materials. I think another key thing which is absolutely vital and which is something which we very deliberately included within the course is there are case studies that you study and will give you a flavor for how you actually go through the life cycle of an SAP implementation or to to be fair, any large enterprise system implementation, which is incredibly difficult to come by. If you, you look at roles that are advertised, uh, not just within SAP, but within partners, but also on, on you know, the, the larger uh, sort of global um, sort of job, job boards, uh, you know, Monster and, and so on in Indeed and, and all these sort of places. If you go onto those sites, you'll find a lot of the time this sort of catch-22, which is you're asked for experience on multiple implementations 
before you've even been able to get a job which will give you access to the implementations you know so it's 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 like okay well where do i start then you know um it's like it's the snake eating its own tail you know so uh what we've done is within the courses there's within uh courses three four and five so in effect the center of the, the certificate you actually have a case study for a real life or so a, it, a real life industry a real life example it's not actually a real company but it was created in order to give the same uh, sort of learning experience so you as a student can go through those three courses and by the time you've finished it you'll have an understanding and appreciation of an sap full life cycle and then course six which is the one that you would do after that initial um, uh, section is a case study which is just throwing the students in the deep end in effect and say well here's another case study a second one this time we're not going to hold your hand quite as much you have to go through this case study and, and devise ways and how would you implement uh, sap and so on um, and how would you use all of the skills that you've learned in the previous five courses to to basically arrive at a good solution for a customer and the key thing there is that then the students would be able to go into you know their applications and be able to say well you know i may not as yet have had experience of working on an sap implementation however i've examined two and i can even provide you with you know some input i could even provide you with a, a, a copy of you know the material that i wrote for the case study uh, for example so you actually be able to hand over you know a sort of five or ten page document or whatever uh, to a, a you know prospective employer uh, and you know that company would be able to say yeah this this person has got it they may not have had any implementation experience yet but they're aware of the issues and they wouldn't need to be mm -hmm. starting uh you know from scratch they'd have a good inkling yeah so this is really excellent that it's providing those real world practical insights from the companies that are actually doing the hiring instead of staying in well i shouldn't say stuck but uh, instead of focusing so much on the theory right so getting that real world uh learning out there and turning it into a course that anybody can learn it sounds like a uh, a great gateway into the ecosystem for those that are just starting out. And for those who maybe have already started or considering starting out, I, I think have been looking around the SAP ecosystem uh, and looking at the, the various learning opportunities out there, and they're going to notice multiple learning platforms. So you have SAP Learning Hub, you have OpenSAP, learning.sap.com, which will uh, eventually be succeeding those. Could you expand a bit on the strategy with using a platform of Coursera when there's um, so many other SAP run learning platforms out there? Yeah, sure. Well, I think the, you know, the key thing is that each of these different platforms has their own, you know, sort of unique uh, benefits and, and they, their own justifications, uh, depending on your own particular learning uh, sort of preferences. And I think the, the Coursera platform uh, is just one part of a wider portfolio. Because the idea is that basically you would be able to go to the platform where you feel your learning experience, uh, it most closely uh, sort of resembles your ideal experience, you know. So in, in my case, for example, I am very much somebody who likes to, to learn in uh, sort of short stints. So I would watch maybe something that would take 20 to 30 minutes to study, you know, if it was a series of two or three videos or whatever, and then having a practical exercise. Mm -hmm. That's just a, a, the way that I learn, you know. 
I've learned uh, using a number of different platforms. So I've, I've actually studied a couple of Coursera courses myself. Uh, I also have used uh, Udemy uh, in the past. And I probably have about a dozen or so courses on Udemy. Uh, and those are all related to things like Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and InDesign and that kind of thing. Uh, so, uh, and that's uh, also, you know, recently starting to learn uh, sort of things related to videography again because i have a nine-year-old son who thinks that the greatest achievement any human being can accomplish is to become a youtuber <laughs> um, so you know it's um this is this is the the state of, of things to come i think uh, so i think the, uh, the 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 fact that you actually have multiple platforms means that you as a student can learn according to your own particular preferences which can only be a good thing but i think i'm also a, a sort of firm believer in integration between platforms that have their own particular strengths. So uh, what you'll find is within the Coursera platform, in the materials that we've created, you know, 95% of the course is on Coursera specifically. However, you will be directed to things that would be considered further learning, things like learning.sap.com. Uh, so, you know, one thing which immediately springs to mind is within course one, in the SAP Technology Consultant Certificate it includes uh, some thoughts on design thinking. But the video on design thinking is perhaps, you know, six, seven, eight minutes long. Uh, it has some, some additional reading materials. But if you go onto learning.sap.com, you'll find a, a fully structured long course on design thinking. So instead of including all of the material within Coursera, we've said, well, here's all the stuff that you need to to undertake the Coursera course and to pass the certificate. But if you want to really take your learning to the next level and you want to really, you know, put some depth, you know, some flesh on the bones, as it were, then uh, we'll direct you towards learning.sap.com and, and you can look at the materials there as well. You know, there, there's materials on analytics and materials on BTP and so on, which uh, we've deliberately pointed to as well. So, you know, it, if... If we have multiple platforms, all for me, it just means that uh, it gives the student the option to go to uh, use resources that are more applicable to how they learn, to how comfortable they are with specific uh, different media, different levels of activities. Um, and, and each platform has its own strengths and weaknesses. You know, um, I mean, I'm a big fan, for example, of Brilliant, because um, I've been, again, teaching my, my son maths and computing. Uh, and brilliant is a very good way of teaching maths. I wish it had been around when I was a, a student 35 years ago, you know, because um, it, it's basically a series of demonstrations of uh, concepts using very simple graphical methods. I mean, one of the things it, it, it showed, for example, was how you can arrive at the, uh, the formula pi r squared by basically splitting a circle down into lots of segments and then arranging them into a rectangle. Simple explanation never occurred to me and I've never, mm -hmm. I've never seen it before. But as soon as I saw that, I thought, Oh, right. That's why, you know, um, and just think, well, that would have been really useful when I did my maths GCSE in 1988, you know, um, uh, but you know, the internet wasn't around then. And I think computers were barely around then. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This leads to a, a parallel thought that just occurred to me or, or in question. So regarding platforms and audiences and, um, what's appropriate, for who and preferences along those lines. And I, I've been um, made aware of and actually am um, sort of driving a project intended to um, connect people who would be so-called underrepresented in tech that maybe have been overlooked from the general 
education system in terms of uh, directing them to technology and um, including people who, who don't necessarily have university degrees. And I, I was wondering to what extent you could describe sort of like minimal prerequisite knowledge that would be required for, for this course. So uh, for example, high school level reading, that, that sort of thing. Would you say you, you necessarily have to be a sort of a, a university student to begin this course? Or um, could somebody who skipped the university stage take it or who isn't quite there yet um, start with this course as well? Would, would that be appropriate for them? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if I'm honest, I think the course itself has different purposes for different kind of levels of education and, and even the topics that you actually studied. Uh, so, you know, if you were a university uh, student and, you know, you felt that, you know, you'd done a lot of programming or you did a lot of, uh, you know, architecture, technical architecture, something like that, and you wanted to get a feel for, uh, you know, the, the enterprise systems environment from a business perspective and from the, you know, the skills perspective, the soft skills, then this would be like a really good adjunct course that you would have alongside other courses that you'd already done. But it was always intended to be a, a course that has minimal entry requirements so that you can basically get a flavor for the entire SAP ecosystem, assuming no knowledge. You know, I mean, obviously you, you need to be able to read. <laughs> Um, yeah. But even, you know, you, you could join without, you know, any, any kind of diploma. You know, there's there's no gatekeeping going on. There's no doorman preventing you from getting in. And I think that's actually one of the benefits, not only for, uh, for Coursera, but for uh, this type of education. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of, of online learning uh, in general, precisely because uh, you control the access. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not based mm-hmm. on on grades that somebody else gave you. You know, um, you can pick a topic that you enjoy. You pick a topic which you think is relevant. And regardless of your background, regardless of your, your educational attainment, you can build, a, you know, you could build a really rich educational, you know, portfolio or identity based on the topics that you selected without ever needing to go to somebody and being given permission to do so. So for me, that's one of the, the most incredibly powerful uh, aspects of online learning. To be fair, it's also one of the aspects which I, I like of, of the, the learning.sap.com site as well, uh, which has uh, very similar uh, levels of, of access. In other words, you can go on there and you can study whatever it is that you want to study in your own time, and there's nobody telling you you can't. Yep. Yeah, and, and that for me is it's incredibly uh, democratizing. It, it, it opens up education for anyone, anytime, anywhere on any topic. You know, I mean, a, a, the ideal world for me would basically be a world where you could study pretty much whatever you wanted online. Um, and I think that that ultimately was a lot of the vision, uh, even for Coursera, because when Stanford and Harvard and MIT and so on were putting these courses online initially, it was about the, the democratization of education, uh, that, you know, people should be able to get access to a high quality education regardless of where they were and potentially, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of, of the funds they had available and that kind of thing. Okay. And on that, on that same note, are we going to continue in this direction? So is there more to come for Coursera or any other platforms? Uh, yeah. I and mean, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got two courses that we will, courses it, it Pro certificates that consist of multiple courses themselves. So, uh, yeah, we, we can't go into details on what they are because obviously we, we're still in the process of, of designing them. 
Um, there is one which we're planning on putting into the production process in sort of late March, early April, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I would also like to, to, to basically publish this year. And there's a third, uh, again, I know I'm being very cryptic, <laughs> <laughs> but there is a third one, a third topic, which we also plan on putting into production in sort of the, the middle of the year, uh, again, with a view to launching it in, in 2023. So the idea is that basically by the end of 2023, we would have three professional certificates, you know, sort of robust, each one of which would have, you know, between four and seven courses. If we have additional courses that could be studied independently of a professional certificate or could be studied uh, for free and things like that. These are all topics of, of ongoing conversations that we're having within SAP. At the moment, we're sort of va- evaluating the platform as as much as we are anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've had a huge amount of interest. And like I say, you know, tens of thousands of students have decided that they, they want to undertake the course. And that's just in you know, the eight weeks or so since we launched. Uh, so there certainly seems to be demand uh, pent up there for, for SAP um, qualifications or SAP courses and SAP materials uh, on other platforms. But what we put and where will depend largely on where we feel the students will get the best experience and, and whether those platforms are relevant for that particular type of education. Long story short is we're exploring and um, watch this space. Awesome. You mentioned uh, uh, certificates. Maybe a quick note that this is not necessarily, this is not referring to uh, an official SAP certification, right? This is going to be platform specific to, to Coursera. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- this is a, a big thing to, to take away is that you, know, you can get certificates on many of the MOOC platforms. So, you know, if you study a, a, a professional certificate at Coursera and you actually finish the final element of, you know, in this case, it would be course seven because there are seven courses within the SAP Technology Consultant Professional Certificate. So you'd get to the end and you would, in effect, be given a certificate for having uh, completed the course. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you wouldn't have taken too many exams. You would, there are lots of multiple choice questions. Uh, there are lots of uh, review materials and, and opportunities for, for writing case studies, uh, for writing uh, analyses of case studies and so on. So you can demonstrate knowledge but it it doesn't have the the absolute rigor that you would get on on SAP certification. So it, it's very deliberately kept apart, um, and that's the case with with many of the MOOCs. You know, if you go on Udemy, if I if I finish a a, a course in you know Photoshop, say, or, or Illustrator, and I get to the end of the course and I've spent my my twenty or thirty hours studying, then I'll get a course of completion which is like a pat on the back, and it's 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 evidence for having studied yep. uh, but i i won't necessarily have actually undertaken an exam and i wouldn't have needed to demonstrate a really really high level of of understanding of a very very specific topic and that in effect is is what you get with an sap certification so it's very deep knowledge uh, mm-hmm. on a very specific topic um, and it's very much for for demonstrating that yes, you are an expert on this thing, you know. So if you are doing a certification in SAP and it's you know let's say it's on you know Esfahana, and in fact you know it could be at a very specific part of Esfahana, it could be on on finance or something, then everybody in the industry knows that uh, you have undertaken a very difficult you know th- say three hour exam, uh, and you've demonstrated that you you understand 
you know, eighty percent of the of the topic matter or ninety percent of the topic matter. So you you really are an expert on that topic. I would say though that they are a very good fit together. You know, if if I were to advise students on what you would do to to try and enter the SAP field or to try and you know further your career if you already were within the SAP ecosystem, if you actually undertook this course, the Coursera course, and used it as a way of providing you with this learning map, with this direction, and then you decided to do an SAP certification on the back of it so that you could demonstrate that you had a specific knowledge. What you could do then is you can kind of show this, you know, the funnel approach, which is that you started off on a fairly broad level and you started off on a, on a fairly sort of high helicopter perspective, and then you very deliberately chose the thing that on the basis of this course you were clearly interested in. So, you know, you went on to study... SAP Analytics Cloud, say, um, and you decided to get a certification in that specifically. So again, the, but as with a lot of qualifications of this type, I think it, it's very good when you actually have uh, not just the one type of, of qualification, that if you, you have different qualifications that are relevant for different skills, and you, know, you, you study qualifications that have very specific outcomes, whether they are deliberately broad or deliberately deep, you know, it's having the portfolio and demonstrating that you've thought about it, which I think is is often, uh, you know, the best way that a student can enter the industry. Awesome. That was very comprehensive, sir. As we've taken plenty of your time already, I always want to close with um, maybe some words of advice to our learners, especially those beginners out there, because I think that's uh, primarily who we're addressing. What would you recommend to these folks as uh, uh, for their first steps and um, as maybe recommendations for their entire career into the SAP ecosystem. Yeah, sure. I think the the key. Well, I I I get a lot of requests for for exactly that kind of insight when I I deliver things like design thinking sessions uh, at universities mm -hmm. and so on. And uh, the one, well, I I give two specific pieces of advice. The first one, that I guess, the most important is uh, have a degree of intent. Right. Um, don't don't meander around the industry. You know, uh, don't meander in terms of skills. You don't want to be the person who basically has got three or four different qualifications in completely random things based on whatever it was that they wanted to do that week. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, I would always have a plan. If you have a you know a goal, something which you want to achieve in you know two, three, four, five years or, or so on, um, and try and arrange for all the things that you're studying to point clearly in that direction. Now, that's the, the thing I would say probably most students don't do uh, because they sort of, if they come out of a university or they come out of high school, they, they aren't necessarily clued in yet as to what it is that they want to do. So they have this tendency to sort of meander around. If you have a degree of focus, the fact that you actually could be the only person who has the degree of focus, it kind of sets you apart, you know. So that, that's always the, the thing I say to students is, look, make, make sure that you have intent, have a clear goal in mind. Even if you don't achieve the goal, you might achieve 80 or 90% of it simply through the fact that you had that, that, that clarity of vision. I think the other thing I would say is be open to, to opportunities as they arise uh, for, for learning and development. Uh, I probably didn't do a very good job of that very early in my career, and it's something I, I regret. So, uh, for example, I, I did an internship, this uh, this very first role I ever had, 
uh, which was working for the electricity company as part of my, my first degree, they made a whole bunch of different uh, learning and training opportunities available to me, and I didn't take any of them. I mean, there were courses on, you know, strategic thinking and all this sort of thing. And I was so focused on studying the degree that I didn't take the courses that were made available by the company I was working for, you know. Um, so I think that's something which, which you should bear in mind as well. I think there is such a wealth of material out there now for students that you can guide yourself, that you really can set yourself apart by having this sort of full, really rich portfolio of experiences and if you spent a year or two doing let's say you know two or three Coursera courses three or four Udemy courses an SAP certification or two I mean if you really wanted to focus to that degree then you could set yourself apart very very clearly and very easily um, I guess the only other final bit I would say the final piece of advice would be stick with it you know a lot of students will drift off um, from from online yep. learning you know, we'll, we'll have some courses will have a completion rate, which will be as low as, you know, 10 or 15 percent, uh, simply because many students begin with a course and they get all excited. And because they're not part of a, you know, a face-to-face student cohort and they're not seeing somebody on a regular basis, they have to be very self-motivated and self-driven. Um, and they self-select uh, the materials that they want to study. So if you, if you stick with it again, you will set yourself apart as having been the person who is capable of being in for the long haul uh, and is and is capable of getting stuff done uh, which in again is is a very valuable thing to demonstrate to a prospective employer you know all right uh, martin i i think i will officially award you with the best advice at the close of any episode of this podcast so far that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Martin, many thanks for your time and your expertise here. And um, thanks for enlightening us on the course. No, many thanks for, for inviting us on. I, I hope the uh, the students can explore it. I, I hope they, they find it valuable. And uh, if uh, they want to, to come back and give us some insights onto the courses that, that they would like to study next, uh, you know, we're, we're always open to ideas and suggestions. Uh, so yeah, by, by all means, you know, reach out to us and, and let us know what, what you think. Excellent. Outstanding. Thanks for listening, everybody, and until next time, stay consistent.